0: Okay, we are holding by Perek Yud Ches by chapter 18 in Shmuel Aleph. And the truth is, the next couple of chapters bring us to a very sad and difficult era to really understand what's going on, but we're just going to stick more or less to the pshat of the psukim, and that is the really feud that goes on between Sheol and David, which is something that's really going to last until the end of Sheol's lifetime, until David becomes uh, ...instated as the, the new king of Klal Yisro. I mean, we remember, of course, that Shaul HaMelech is the first king. Shaul HaMelech was... He definitely was a great tzaddik, um Definitely starting out, at least. But because of certain sins that we learned about, he um, sort of... He fell out of um, you know Hashem's good grace, if you will. And therefore, Shmuel Hanavi told Shaul that the Melucha, the kingdom was going to be taken from him and given to David. And David was then anointed. And again, this is all behind us. We learned all this. That David was anointed by Shmuel. But he didn't yet assume the position as Melech at all. Shaul was very much the king. Shaul was the serving king. But David yet was a, in, in secret, I guess, the king in waiting. He was anointed that he was going to ultimately be the king. Um, meanwhile, we have in the last chapter that we learned, in chapter 17, we have the very famous battle of the Jews against the Pelishtim, the Philistines, and you have the um, very wicked mighty warrior Goliath, who is mocking the Jewish people, and it's David HaMalek who is able to come and really miraculously slay um, Goliath, uh, without even a sword, with, You know, famously with the slingshot, and David was just a child, he wasn't a warrior, and yeah, I don't know if he's a child, but he's a young man, not a I warrior, a youth. a youth, right? Better. Well, Right, correct word. And um, David is able to kill Goliath. Now, David had already before been a, a musician for Shoal. Right? We talked about the fact that after Shoal was um, told by Shmuel that he was not going to be the king anymore, so Shoal was plagued with a ruach raah. That's the words of the pasuk. Literally, that means a bad spirit. Now, does that mean some form of depression, some, to- some, po- some, some, uh, f- some form of mental illness? that Shaul HaMalach had, and really was going to have till the end of his life, which we're going to see today, um, again and again, how Shaul was really, at some point definitely, mentally not stable, as as we're going to see as the story plays itself out between David and Shaul. Okay, so that's behind us. In in the end of Yudzayin, in the end of chapter 17, was the end of that great war. David is able to kill Goliath, and David is brought before the king again. And this is where Peret yud begins. Now, um, although we have the feud of David and Shaul that we're going to be reading about, there's also something very beautiful that is going to begin right here and also going to continue. And that is the very beautiful friendship between David and Yonasan. Yonasan is the son of Shaul HaMelech. And that's a friendship that's like an exemplary friendship throughout Torah. The, The Ava, the love... That was between David and Yonason, Yonason, son of Sheol. Um, even in Pirkei Avos, um, in chapter five of Pirkei Avos, when the Mishnah wants to bring an example of Ahava she'ina tluya Bidavar, a love that's not dependent on anything, which is the only true type of love, a love that will be a lasting love, is not one which is dependent on anything. Um, the Dugma, the Mushal. The example brought in Pirkei Avos for an Avas she'inat Luya Bedover is Ava's David v'yoyinasan that love that existed um, between David and Yoinasan, and that's really what the pasuk talks about right at the beginning of Perik Yud Ches that um, after Sho'ol talks to David, uh, talks to David, so nefesh Yoinasan Nikshira Benefesh nefesh David, the soul of Yoinasan gets tied, gets uh, ba- ba- bonds. With the soul of uh, David, son Yonasan Kenafshay loved David like his own self, like his own soul. Okay, and the passage goes on to say that they, they made a covenant between each other, and Yonasan gave David his royal garments and his sword and his his uh, various different uh, forms of the uh, the armaments, um, and they created this this beautiful friendship. So David is living really in the palace now. Um, and he's a servant of the king Saul, and he's very closely bond, and, um, has this, this loving relationship with Dov, with Saul's son Yonasan. Are they the same ageish? Yonasan. I'm assuming yeah. so, but I don't, I can't tell you for sure. I didn't see any of the mifarshim make note of how old they were, okay. but there it stands to reason. But again, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the passage goes on and say that, that David really had become a very important um, servant of Sheol, and he had become he was a leader in the army, um, and he was just successful wherever he went. And, and the, another passage goes on, and this is where the trouble begins. David comes back from his very successful battle with Goliath and other battles, and David becomes the superstar of the Jewish people. Everyone knows he's the one who you know, slayed Goliath. He's the one who's saving us from our enemies. So it says here that they, they would sing. And they would sing about, about David with, uh, with, with um, instruments. And one of the, the words that Sheol overheard being sung was that Sheol has fought and, and, um, and, and smitten, if they say smitten or smote, pushed him in their thousands, and David David in the tens of thousands. And this is the first time that Shaul starts hearing that somehow he feels his stocks are falling, and that everyone is uh, is talking the praises of David, um, and he felt that he was slighted as the king, that they're praising this young man um, with greater praises than they're giving him. And as from this point on, the Pasik says, Shaul becomes very upset, and he's very very angry, and he says, look look what they're saying about David, and look what they're saying about me. I fear for the kingdom itself. I fear that he has his eye on my kingdom. Now, I, I think we've made it clear, but I want to say it again, that though David was anointed, no one knew this. He was anointed between Shmuel and himself, you know, and David's brothers, but that's it. It wasn't something, Shaul did not know that David was anointed to be king, but... He knew that Hashem had said that the kingdom was going to be taken from him. And now he sees there's this young guy that everyone is praising more so than himself. And it says that Sheol began really um, really uh, disliking or loathing David from this point and on. So it says that it was one of the, da- one of the uh, coming days and David was at his post singing uh, or playing, uh, playing music, playing his harp before Sheol. And suddenly, that bad spirit overtakes Shaul again. And, the, and the, the pasuk is very clear that there were days that the bad spirit overtook him. Um, so the bad spirit takes him, and David is sitting. Shaul is sitting there, and he has his spear in his hands, and he decides on the spur of the moment he's going to kill David, and he throws the spear at David. Now David doesn't didn't realize this. David is involved in playing his harp, but as he's playing, he moves. And as he moves, the spear goes right over his head. Oh my God. And then Shaul tried again, again through a spear, and again David, not knowingly, moved in the right second, and the spear went right over him. And when Shaul saw this, it says Shaul became very terrified. He saw that Hashem is with David, and Hashem saved him just now, just now twice, without David even knowing, without trying to be saved, that he was saved from from this from this uh, from being killed by Shaul. And Shaul couldn't handle it. So what he says is, Shaul just made him, he was thinking, how can I get rid of him? So he made him a sar ha'elef, he made him a uh, a general in the army, hoping that in the army, in the wars and so on, maybe he'll just be killed in the army. But as the Pasik says, David just kept on being more and more successful. Um, as the Pasik says, <speaking Spanish> he was able to be successful in all of his ways, <speaking Spanish> Hashem was with him. And Shaul sees this that uh, David's you know stocks are rising amongst the Jewish people. The Basik says, Yisrael, Yehuda, David, all Jewish people and all Shevet Yehuda, everyone loved David. Kihu ubal he had become the primary general that and everyone saw how successful he was, and he was becoming more and more beloved uh, for the people. Why are they singling out Shevet Yehuda? All of loves him, I good question. Him? Yeah. Good question. It's the So the apostle, is a good question. It says that all oh, the question we couldn't hear. The, qu- the, pos- the pos- says in 16. Cause he's, cause 16 he's from, right. from right. right, right. So let me just say the question. The Apost says that all Yisrael, V Yehuda, and the tribe of Yehuda, Oyiv is David, all love David. The question was asked here: why does it single out Yehuda? If it says all the Jewish people, it means everyone, including Yehuda. But the answer is, Mafarshim um, say, because David himself came from Yehuda. What it was saying was that not just his own tribe, of course his own tribe would love him because he was their you know their hero. He was the hero from their tribe. It's like, you know, if you have the person from your you know shul is the hero's, so of course your shul's behind you. But call Yisrael, all Yisrael loved him just as much as his as his own tribe loved him as well. Okay, so Shaul is figuring out what to do over here. And now we might remember that in the last chapter when everyone was petrified about this Goliath, um, Shaul had said that whoever kills Goliath will be rewarded and will marry the daughter of the king. So it's at this point that Shaul says, you know what, I really am supposed to give my daughter to this David, but I don't like David. Now that's not always a reason not to give your daughter to someone, but but in this case, Shaul thought, <laughs> okay, but in this case, Shaul thought, that I can use this to my advantage, which is, and he sent a message to Sheol, and he said, "I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm being confused." Shaul sent a message to and He says, "You know what? If you want to marry the daughter of the king, then why don't you wage some, you know, let's see if you can really wage some big battles against the Pelishtim, and be successful, and then you'll, you know, you'll become my son-in-law." So basically, he's, you know, instead of it's not just Goliath, let's let's go for bigger. And Shaul's thinking that ultimately in battle, he's probably at some point. Gonna be, you know, gonna be killed. And David, in his humility, says, "Who am I to marry the daughter of the king?" And he's so David, like, sort of pushes it off, like, "David, like, who, who am I?" And meanwhile, the Pasik says that this that Shaul's oldest daughter was Mirav, and meanwhile, she was married to someone else. She, you know, she was married off to someone else, so it wasn't even Shaul's intention to give her hand in marriage, so to speak, to David. However. She had a younger sister, and that is Michal. And Michal says, you know what, I want to marry David. And uh, it's, it's hard not to notice the uh, the commonality between here and uh, Yaakov Avinu. Also, there was an older daughter and a younger daughter. Um, and he was told he had the older daughter, he ended up with the younger daughter. And that's the one that ultimately was his wife, or his mo- most beloved wife. So the same story seems to be happening here again in, in a different form. But... Um, so basically Shaul says, fine, you know what, I'm sorry, my older daughter got married already, I'd be happy to give you my younger daughter, but again, um, in order to be worthy of marrying my daughter, so I want you to wage more battles against the plishtim. Um, I'm I'm not reading every passage here, I'm going through the general idea, the general story, and the passage says, again, David proclaims, like, who am I to marry the king's daughter, but Shaul Shoal has his people tell David that really what the king wants is if you're, if you're able to wage battle with the plishtim and if you're able to smite 100 plishtim. And uh, for David, this was, you know, David, so David was, was in constant battle with the plishtim anyway, and in the next battle, he, he was able to kill 200 Plishdim. And basically, at this point, Shoal sees he has no way out. Shoal gives David his daughter as a wife. So now David is not only. Um, a servant to the king, and not only the musician for the king, and not only the general for the king, he's also the son-in-law for the king. And you think that all of this would get him somewhere with the king, but it didn't. Um, and as the Pasik says towards the end of the chapter, pasuk chavtess, that Shaul was becoming more and more fearful of David. He saw David's tremendous success. He knew that the kingdom had been prophesized to be taken away from himself. Um, and, and Shaul lived in a fear. He lived in fear, and he had this ruachra, ra, this, this uh, negative spirits that would plague him. And therefore, this was the uh, this is the um, backdrop for this continuation. And the pasik finishes in the last pasik of the parak, vayitzusari plishtim. That there was again, there, was, there seems to be, there seemed to be many battles with the Palestinians at the time, and every time there was a battle, always Sachal David Mikoyl Avni Shol. David was most successful in his wisdom and in his in the uh, in the wars more than any of the other servants of Shol. VaYikar Shmaya Ma'id, His name was becoming more and more um, honored and precious by all of the Jewish people. That is the end of Perik Yudches. So this is the first Perik dealing with the beginning, the seeds of that feud between Shaul and David. But again, in the beginning we also have how the friendship between David and Shaul's son began here as well. Okay, let's go right into Perik chapter 19. Um, at this point already, Shaul feels... He, um, Shaul already stops, stops hiding it. And he starts talking, he talks to his son and to his servants and he says... We have to put David to death. He's a meirid b'malchus. Meirid means he's, uh, he rebels against the king. Rebel. He's, he, yeah, he rebels against the king. He did? He just saying that. No, Shaul was just saying that. Shaul was saying that. Shaul was saying that that is uh, again afraid of him and he's paranoid from him and he fe- feels he's rebelling in him. He's trying to uh, take the kingdom from him. It's all in Shaul's mind. So Yonah's son hears this. For the first time he hears that his father actually wants to put David to death. And he goes, to, he goes to David and he says, please, hide. I want you to go into hiding and uh, into a certain place in the field. Go there and hide there. And I'm going to come talk to my father in that same field where you'll be hiding and let's see what I can accomplish. So David goes into hiding and then Yonah's son takes a walk with his father, Sho, and he says, "He says, what do you have against David? He says, don't sin. My father, my king, and with, with David Amalek. he never sinned. He never sinned to you. To the, con- to the contrary, he's there to help you. He says he put his life, he took his life in his hands to help you when he, when he went to, to fight against Goliath. And since then, he's fighting your battles against the Plishtim. Why would you sin in 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 um, in in? in means a person who's uh, innocent. Innocent. Thank you. Innocent blood to uh, to put David to death for no reason. And here, his words had a had an effect. Because at, at this point Shaul, at this stage, wasn't at this day, wasn't didn't have the ruach ra, and Vayishma Shaul because Shaul hears the words of his son Yonasan, and he swears Va Shaul he swears Chai Hashem im yumas I swear in the name of Hashem I will not put David to death, and Yonasan is very yaynasson is very happy that he's able to. One second, someone is in the waiting room. How do I do this? So Shaul is, Yenison is very happy that he was able to create this uh, truce, so to speak, and he calls David, and Yenison tells David that my father swore that he'll be fine and that you will not be put to death. So David comes back to the palace and he resumes his position as the um, as that musician for, for Shaul. He's back. Things are good. Right now things are good again. But short-lived. Short-lived is the Pasik says, Pasik Ches, Pasik 8, again in chapter 19. It says that the uh, milchama, the war continued, and David goes out and he fights a great another great battle against the Pelishtim. And against David is tremendously successful. And again, as the Pasik says in Pasik test, Hashem el Same story that that ruach ra, that bad spirit that's plaguing Shoal comes back and plagues Shoal. And once again, the same a repeat of the same story. David is sitting in his house. Shoal is sitting in the in the on the throne, and David is playing music. And Shoal and Shul has the spear. And, again, Sha'ol tries to kill David, personally. And this time David notices, and he, he runs away. He escapes. Um, David runs away and escapes on that night. And he escapes back to his home. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. It says over here, ruach Hashem It says it's the, the Ruach of Hashem is Ra. So it's this, it's like Hashem... Yeah, yeah, Hashem was plaguing him with with a bad spirit. Yeah, everything comes from Hashem, including depression, so including he, he everything. Didn't, he didn't have... He, he had the Ruach ra. he didn't have a Keres Okay. No, not arguing. I mean, uh, when a person has difficult moments, he was... Uh, yeah, David Cho was suffering from a Ruach ra from after the time when he was told he would not be the king. He was definitely suffering from this Ruach ra, and that kept on affecting him. And you see, he like goes back and forth. It's, it's like... It's some type of a mental condition, and there are people, yeah, there are people who one day are perfectly normal and they're fine, and you could talk to them, and the next day you can't talk to them. We know that there are such things, and, and sadly this was happening to the melech of the Jewish people at this time. And therefore David, you know, one day the day before he swore that David is going to be fine and I'll be good with him, and the next day he tried to kill him. So David escapes to his home, and at this point Shaul is not hiding anything, he's all out, and he sends his guards to go to the home of David to imprison him and to bring him before the king. Now, but who's in the home of David? His wife, which is Michal, Michal which is Saul's daughter. So they come to the home, the guards, and they surround the home. And Michal sees from the window what's going on. And she knows what's going on. She knows that these guards are here from her father to get her husband. And she tells David, she says, if you stick around till the morning, you're finished. Our home is surrounded. Um... And um, they're going to take you. They're going to put you to death. And therefore, as the Pusik says, that Michal actually helped him escape from from outside the window. Um, she uh, lowered him out from the window. And David escapes. And just to make things more certain or push off for, to buy time, Michal puts in his bed... A form of a person. Some types of I don't know why they had forms of people. Different mafarshim say different reasons um, why they had mannequins. But it seems she had mannequins. That's what that word is. Uh, truffim, truff- truff truffim, yeah. Maybe it was something to hang up her clothes on. Yeah, maybe it's a shetul head or something. I don't know, but some type of <laughs> mannequin, and uh, she put it on the on the pillow and covered it and covered it with uh, with a, 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 a skin of an animal. did be some level of some sort of hearingness of it, whatever it is. And so it should seem like there's someone in the bed. So the next morning, the guards come into the house, they're banging on the doors, and um, and they say, we're here to take David. And she says, he's sick. He's sick, he's laying in bed, he's sick, he can't move. So the guards don't know what to do. You realize they're talking to the king's daughter. So they head back to the palace, and Shalos says, bring him in his bed. Bring him in his bed, which they do. They bring the bed, and they bring it, and it becomes quite evident that that's not David. So so Shaul sees that this is, you know, this is a mannequin. This is just a a form of a person. So Shaul calls in his daughter Michal. He says, "What's with you? Are you you also my enemy? Why did you trick me? You tricked me and you help your husband uh, escape from me." So Michal realizes she's in danger. She says, "What do you want from me? David is a warrior. He told me that I let him go, or he kills me. So it's hard to fight. I, I can't fight with the person who's your main general in your army." Right? So basically, so she's off the hook. And David runs away. And where does he run away to? So here's where everything comes together. He runs back to Shmuel. Right, Remember, Shmuel is still the Navi. Shmuel is already, He's in the last years of his life. But he's the Navi. Shmuel had left, because remember, Shmuel got into a fight with Shoal. when that story, when Shmuel said that Hashem is taking the kingdom away from you. Shmuel went back home to Ramah. And Shmuel was surrounded by Neviim. And he was just... Uh, he was into nevuah and prophecy and Torah and Kedusha. So David at this point runs back to Shmuel and tells him what's going on. He says, here you anointed me to be the next king of the Jewish people. Things were going in the right direction. I got a job in the palace and then I became a son in law of the king. But things aren't good now. So Shmuel says, don't worry about it. It'll all be good. It'll all be good. And Shmuel says, "Spent And that night he spent with Sheol and they learned Torah the entire night. It says that on that night Shmuel revealed to David that he's going to be the one who's going to be bring about the building of the Beis Hamikdash, right? We know ultimately in the end of the story, um, David, after he's able to be successful in all his wars, is the one who's able to uh, procure the land for the Beis Hamikdash and all the materials for the Beis Hamikdash, and then it's his son Shlomo who's going to build it. But it was on this night that Shmuel reveals that to David, and he reveals to many the secrets that are involved with the Beis Hamikdash. And uh, so David feels at home here, and. But is looking for David, and Shaul finds out very quickly where David is. And Shaul sends shluchim, he sends messengers, he sends soldiers, to go bring David. And here we have, again, one of those interesting stories in Navi, which is the soldiers come to Ramah, and they see the, I guess, I don't know if it's a yeshiva, or a koiloh, or the place of the Naviim. Shmuel was the the great Navi Shmuel. But he had many Talmidim, who they were also Naviim. And Shmuel was able to inspire nevuah by others. Again, this is in the era of nevuah when you had hundreds or thousands of Neviim. So when the messengers came to get David, they were so inspired and taken, they also started being menabe. They started prophesizing themselves. So they joined the Talmidim of, of Shmuel. Um, so that happened once. And Shaul hears that his messengers were... Uh, What's the word? I don't know the word. But that they uh, failed in their mission to bring David. Instead, they joined Shmuel and the Nevim. So Shaul sent a, sp- a second group of, Nevim, uh, of, of of soldiers. And the same thing happened. The second group of soldiers also came there and they were so inspired and so taken by the nevuah and the Nevim, by the prophecies going on, that they too started prophesizing and just joined Shmuel's Talmidim. So Shaul saw... There's no way it's, There's no uh, no other no other, uh, no other way. He went himself. He says, "I'll take care of business myself." And Shaul comes down to this place, and what happens? The same thing. That he love gamhu ruach alikim. Shaul was also taken by the spirit of nevuah. And you have to remember, Shaul, though he's going through these bouts of this ruach ra, this this depression or whatever mental situation, but Shaul is essentially a tzaddik. Was a tzaddik. So when he's around Shmuel, he's also stricken, so to speak, by this nevuah, and he also begins being manabi, prophesizing. He takes off his clothing. Rashi, the mepharshim say that means the clothing of melucha, the clothing of malchus. He wasn't thinking of being a king now. He wanted to look like all the other neviim, and he joined the group of neviim to the extent that then they said about him an expression that you might remember. They said about him right the first time he met Shmuel. Hagam Sha'ul ben Nevi'im, is Sha'ul also one of the Nevi'im? Now, we, I don't know, it was three or four or five weeks ago, the first time Sha'ul met Shmuel and started saying Nevu'ah, also people were wondering, since when is Sha'ul a Navi? So that expression was used then, Hagam Sha'ul ben Nevi'im, since when is Sha'ul a Navi? But now again, after Sha'ul is the Melech, he's the king, and after all, these, all this time, and now he comes back, and again he's just prophesizing like everyone else, and everyone was again, what, that became a, a phrase, Hagam Shaul ben Avim. Since when is Shaul one of the Avim as well? And that's where this paragraph, where this chapter finishes. So it's a nice ending to a chapter, but in no way an ending to the story, because this was just something that happened at that time when Shaul was in that place. Ultimately, this this would not last long. Shaul is going to return to his palace and be the king, and the feud is going to continue with David. But at this point, so to speak, in the house of Shmuel, In the house of Shmuel, everything is good. There is only nevuah. There is only kedusha, and there there is only shalom between between everyone. So it doesn't say. It doesn't say. It's likely that yes. Um, Clearly, at that point, there was just a spirit of shalom. So it's very likely that yes. I didn't notice anyone say clearly like, did they talk? I didn't talk. The the greater question to me is if he saw if he actually spoke to Shmuel, because that's very unclear. Because Way back when Shmuel left Sheol, it says that he never saw him again in his lifetime. But here it says that Sheol came there. So I was looking around a little bit in the Mepharshim to see did they actually talk or was he just taken by the spirit of nevuah going on there and prophesied. I couldn't find a clear answer to that question. Um, very likely that there is, and I didn't see it, but um, it doesn't say. It doesn't say who he spoke to and what he did there, just that he was stricken by the spirit of Nebuah that was going on by everyone, and he himself prophesied and took off his clothing of of Malchus and just was like all the other Neviim there. And for how long this went, there's no details given for how long it was, but that's what happened when he came to get David. Um, There's a very interesting um, story about uh, Happening much much later in history about Uncalus the Geer, uh, one of the great Roman, um, one of the great Roman uh, um, converts that was uh, related to the Roman emperors of the time. That he became a ger, um to the Jewish people, and he became one of the great uh, sages of the of the uh, time of the Mishnah. He wrote actually the a, a translation of the entire Torah, Targum of Uncalus. But him too, it says the emperor sent people to get him, but they were so inspired that they became Jewish as well. Then he sent more people, they were inspired, they became Jewish as well. A very similar story to this one, that when you know, you're sending to get someone and then you become inspired, and that's uh, it's something that's uh, very unusual, but this is the first place that it happens in Navi, that the king is sending messengers and they become Navim instead of doing their job. Okay, but we'll go into Pedro Khof, chapter 20. As I said, this doesn't last and David knows very well that this is not going to last. Um, and so David leaves Shmuel because, you know, Shaul came to get him, and so David was safe for the moment. But Vayivrach David, Pasuk, uh, begins with David running away. Um, and he comes to his best friend, to Yonasa, the son of Shaul. I want, I want to point out that we know the greatest book of Tzfilah that we have is Tehillim. Right? Whenever there's anything, we say Tehillim, and even without anything, we say Tehillim. And Tehillim, of course, was put together by David HaMelech. Um, David HaMelech didn't write the entire Tehillim. A lot of it is compiled and collected from different great tzaddikim beforehand. But David HaMelech is called the sweet singer of Klal Yisrael. Ne'im ni, ni, Zmira Yisrael, the, the singer. So he's the, the Melech, but he's known as the one who composed Tehillim. And a lot of Tehillim deals with difficulties and sorrows and turning to Hashem. And that's why Tehillim is, is the book that, as a nation, we've we turned to for 2,000 years, um, more than 2,000 years, because it's the book where we cry out to Hashem in pain. Now, Tehillim was composed through all of these events. David had a very, very difficult life. I mean, here we have David, who's running, he's not even king yet, and he's already in trouble, with his own family, with his father-in-law. And he's running for his life, and he's constantly, trying, constantly trying to kill him. And as the story of David is going to continue, David is in is in trouble with his with his uh, with his children, and he has children who try to kill him, and he has his father trying to kill him. And he's he, he, David lives a life. On the one hand, you know, you think the king of Israel probably a life of uh, of having a good time. And David was the very opposite. And throughout Tehillim, there's references to all of these different stories that we're learning, because they were composed as David is running from one sarah to another sarah to a third sarah. That's just, uh, Tehillim, when we learn about the story of David, we're able to appreciate a lot more about the Tehillim that we're saying, especially when we see references um, in the Tehillim to a lot of these stories that we're learning here. Okay, that was just a side point. But, so back to, to um, Perikhaf. David comes back to Yayna's son and he says, Yainasan, why does your father want to kill me? And David really honestly doesn't know what he did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just successful. He was just being successful, the hand of Hashem was, it was making him successful, and Shaul had this Ruach Ra. Now, here we have something interesting. Yainasan says, my father doesn't want to kill you, my father swore that he's not going to kill you, because in the previous chapter we had Yainasan who talked to his father and he said, you know, why would you sin with David, innocent blood, and at that point Shaul swore that he wouldn't kill Yainasan. So David says, I don't know what to tell you, but the fact is since then he tried to kill me a number of times. He uses an interesting expression in the end of Beni Gimel, Ki kifesha there was like, a, there was like a, a drop between me and death. I, I was at the brink of death because um, your father did try to kill me. So Yoyneson says, you know what, let, let me find out what, you know, what to do. Let, let's see what I can do for you. And then we have a very uh, beautiful and famous uh, story. Or it's not, not much of a story, but a, but a happening between David and Yoyneson and Shoal. And actually, this is famous because it's a haftura that we say. Um, when do we say that haftarah? Whenever Sunday is Rosh Chodesh. Whenever there's Rosh Chodesh, it's going to be on a Sunday. So the haftarah the day before in Shul on Shabbos after the Kriya HaTorah is this chapter of Tanakh, and it's, it's called the haftarah of Machar Chodesh, that tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. This is again. So this, as we'll see in a moment, why why this was the day before Rosh Chodesh. This conversation. And we'll see why Rosh Chodesh plays a significant role. And in every shul, um, in all different nusach, whatever nusach we one uh, whatever shul, uh, whenever Sunday is Rosh Chodesh, they read a, the haftarah of this parsha. It's called the haftarah of Machar Chodesh. Um, to, to, um, just to be clear, if Rosh Chodesh is Shabbos, then you read another haftarah. That's that's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. But if Rosh Chodesh is Sunday, you read Machar Chodesh. Now, what if Rosh Chodesh is Shabbos and Sunday? Then you read both, or at least one Pasa whatever. But you always, if Rosh Chodesh is Sunday, you'll read the Macher Chodesh. Okay, so what happens? So Yonasan tells David, here's the plan. I have to find out what my father really thinks about you and what he wants to do. And this is what we're going to do. I want you to go into hiding for a couple days. And in that same field where we were last time, we go into hiding. Now, tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. Now, it, I didn't see... In the Mefarshim, which Rosh Chodesh it was, which month. I don't know. Maybe someone will find it. Maybe someone will tell me. But he says, tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. Now, on Rosh Chodesh, there's always a special meal where everyone comes together in the palace to eat. By the way, this is a source for there's those who make on Rosh Chodesh a special se'uda, a special meal. Now, in Halacha, there's a question if there's a chiyuv. There is opinions in the Shulchan Aruch, that it's a chiyuv, it's an obligation to have a special se'udah on Rosh Chodesh. And the basis is this chapter, because it says here that on Rosh Chodesh there was a special se'udah in the palace by, Shlom, by Shaul HaMelech. Um, the except, in, in Shulchan Aruch it's a debate. The accepted opinion is that it's not a chiyuv. There is no obligation to have a special se'udah on Rosh Chodesh. Um, of course, there are people that are always mahadir to have as many special seudas as they can, but the Shulchan Aruch says it's good to have some, to add something special for Rosh Chodesh, uh, food-wise. It doesn't have to be a seudah, it doesn't have to be washing, but something um, to... Uh, we have ice cream. A treat. Ice cream, a treat, whatever it is, whatever works. But it's, it's a, it's a halachic concept that one should try to add something special on Rosh Chodesh to, um, to symbolize the, the, uh, the, the date, Anyhow, so back to our story. So Jonathan tells David Hamelach, and he says, tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh, and we're all going to come sit by the, by the table in the palace, and you will be missing. Now you have your place. You have your place by the table. Again, David is the king's son-in-law. So you have your place by the table, so it's going to be noticeable that you're missing. At that point, let me see how my father deals with it. My father will ask me. I'll talk about you, and let me see... I'll, I'll figure. I'll, you know, I'll be able to figure out. Does he really? Is he planning on hurting you? Is he not planning on hurting you? And then, in a couple of days, give it three days. I'm going to come out to this field where you're going to be in hiding, and I'm going to give you a sign. And we're going to make a sign right now. What the sign is going to be between us? He says I'm going to come with a young, uh, with a nar, with a child, with a servant, and I'm going to have some arrows. This is all Yonah's son telling David. And I'm going to shoot the arrows, and I'm going to have my servant run after them. Now listen. Now you'll be in the hiding behind a stone or wherever it is. Listen to me. If you hear me tell the the, um, the servant that the arrows are further than you, then you'll know it's a problem. That my father is not good with you, and then you'll have to go into hiding. We'll have to you know deal with the next step. If I tell the servant, oh, you've passed the arrows already, the arrows are closer to me, that will be the sim- the simon for you, the symbol for you, that everything is good, you can come out of hiding, and we'll go back to the palace together. So this is the plan that Yoyneson makes with Dovid. Um, and that's what happened. And again, it's, it's, the, 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 the uh, psukim are very detailed in the plan, but then in Pasuk Yud Ches, Pasik 18, and that's where the after would begin on a Shabbos, Erev, Rosh Chodesh. Vayom, Elo, Chodesh. Tomorrow you'll be missing, uh, you'll be noticed, ki because your place will be empty. So you'll be noticed because your place is empty. Now, I'm just going to go off on a tangent for a moment, and that is that Hasidus has a lot to say about this concept, about that you'll, you'll be noticed because your place is empty. And it connects it with Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is when the moon can't be seen anymore. And that's when it starts becoming big again, the new moon. The idea of humility, or when something is very tiny and not noticeable, is the beginning of its fullest of its growth. So the moon comes down to the tiny dot of Rosh Chodesh and then grows to a beautiful new moon. What did Yonason tell David? Because your place will be empty, you will be noticed. And David represents the Jewish people, and the Jewish people, when we're humble, that's when we're noticed by Hashem and made great, and so on and so forth. And that's a little bit of a Kabbalistic twist on the story that's going on here. But, be that as it may, the story happens. And we go to Pasuk um, 24, Chavdalid. David goes to hiding in the field, and the next day is Rosh Chodesh, and the whole plan happens exactly as Jonasim planned it. The king comes in to, to uh, have bread by the table, Vayashev, Pasuk Hafei, Vayashav HaMelech HaMoshevo, the king sits in his place, in the place where he always sits. Um, then Yonasan sits next to him. And Avner, Avner is the, is the general of the army, even though David was very successful, but there was still, Avner Ben-Nir was Shaul's general. Vayipakeid, Makom David, and David's place was empty, very noticeably empty. Says the next Pasuk, Sha'ol looked, but didn't say anything. He says, you know, maybe something happened. Maybe, literally, the words he says, maybe he's impure today, but he couldn't come to eat. So Shaul doesn't say anything. And Rosh Chodesh finishes. The next day, the next day, and again, David's place is missing. Now, this is not Rosh Chodesh anymore. It's not the special Rosh Chodesh festivities, but it's a second day in a row that David is not around. So now Shaul turns to his son, Yenison, and he says, where is Ben Yishai?" Where is the son of Ishai? Gam t'mol, gam hayom. He wasn't here yesterday. He's not here today. But isn't it common knowledge that Shal wants to kill him? Why should he be there? So I think that just speaks to the back and forth, the vacillating um, state of affairs here. Sometimes he's in good grace, sometimes he's in bad grace. But I mean, you're, you're asking a good question. I mean, Shal did send to have him killed, a few, you know, some time mm-hmm. earlier. It's, I, you know, I don't have a real answer to that question. But it, it definitely shows to the confusing state of affairs going on at the time. So, Yoyna's son turns to his father and says, well, David asked of me permission to go back home because there was some type of a family affair. Family affair, he, so he asked me permission to go. And, uh, and I gave him permission. And at this point in Pasal Lama, shows, becomes very angry at his son, Yoyna's son, mm-hmm. And he says, you rebellious son. He says, I know you're taking the side of the one who's rebelling against me, and he wants to usurp us from our from our kingdom. And, and he says, oh, as long as this man is alive on this world, he says, me and you, our kingdom is not safe. I want you to go bring him to me because he's he's destined for death. And son says, why? why? What did he do? He, you know, why would he die? He didn't do anything. And Shaloh is so angry, he takes his spear to hit his son Yainus'an. I don't think, it doesn't say they wanted to kill him, but to, but to hit him. And Yenison becomes very angry, and he storms out. He storms out of the room. So he's not going to eat, and he storms out of the room. And the next morning, which was the third morning, right? remember, Yenison told David three mornings. I'll meet you here in three mornings. Um, and Yenison comes to the field exactly as he said, and he comes with that servant, and he comes with his arrows. And David is hiding in the field. The whole plan, as it was put into place, and Yonah's son tells the child, he says, uh, he, he shoots the uh, spears, mm-hmm. the arrows that is, and he tells the child, yes, the, uh, the arrows are further than you, past you, which was what dad made up initially, that was the plan, that was the code that David is in danger. Now, but initially when he made that code, that was made so that David wouldn't even have to, you know, show himself and just disappear. But... Yoyneson quickly tells the servant, he says, gather the arrows, go back to the palace and wait for me. So that's what happens, the the servant gathers the arrows and he leaves, and then David appears, and Yoyneson and David have a very, very tearful um, uh, parting. Yoyneson, in Pasuk Pasuk Mem Aleph, it says they fell to the ground, They, they bowed to each other, they kissed each other, they cried. Um, and then Yonison says, what can I do? He says, clearly, there's a, there's a zera here, um, and lech l'shalim, he says, go in peace, but remember the shvua we've always made to each other, b'shem Hashem. We've sworn, um, no matter what happens, he says, we've sworn, in the name of Hashem, my family to yours, Hashem uh, ye b'ni b'necha, Hashem be between you and between me, Binzari, zari between my children and your children, ad olam. whatever is forever, that pact is a pact that's going to stand and will stand. It will stand uh, forever. David will always cherish Janison and Yannison will cherish David as this story will will continue. Um, should we do one more? Okay, let's you know, let's try to do one more Perik quickly because I, I do think that we're gonna f- probably end at the beginning of the summer, I assume in a couple of weeks, and I want to try to finish Shmuel Aleph. That's a, that's a goal here. So let's try to to, to squeeze in one more peric, perik of Aleph. Um, this parak is also a very important part of the story and is going to become another very sad part of the story, actually. And that is the story of David with Nov, the city of the Kohanim. We know that ultimately there's going to be a city of Kohanim that's going to be put to death, all surrounding the feud of David and Sheol. So the death is not going to happen. The, is not going to happen in this parak, but the story happens in this parak, as we see. Um, okay, so David, this, I'm, I'm, those following inside a, a sefer, we're now going into chapter 21, Perukh of Aleph. So, Jonasan um, goes back to the city, to the palace, and David goes off to Nov. And in Nov, there was the Kohen Gadol at the time, who we've already mentioned in the past. His name was Achimelech. Achimelech was the serving Kohen Gadol at the time. And David arrives in Nov. Nov was uh, called an ear of a city of Kohanim. Um, headed by that Ahimelech, Kohen Gadol. Ahimelech sees David coming, and David, everyone knows David, most people did not know about all this going on between David and Shaul. Very few people. As far as everyone is concerned, David is the general, and he's the son-in-law of the king, and he's the hero of Kal Yisrael. So David shows up, and Ahimelech, the Kohen Gadol, sees David himself, He says, why are you yourself? Typically you would think the general, the son-in-law of the king, would come with an entourage. And David tells Ahimelech, listen, I'm going on a mission from the king, no one is allowed to know about this. I have a couple of uh, of na'orim, of of, uh, of youth, of young men with me, but they're in hiding. But I need I need some some food for myself and for the people with me. And obviously, this is David is saying something; it's not true. But he was trying he was saving himself in a very dangerous situation. Um. So the Kohin Achimelach says, "The truth is, I don't have any regular bread here. We only have holy bread." What is the holy bread? The lechem, lechem ha exactly. The lechem ha we know in the Besamek the Asher, well, in that time it's the Mishkan, there was always the bread that the Kohen would put on the Shulchan. On the Shulchan, the showbreads it's called, the lechem ha they were put every Shabbos on the Shulchan and they were there for an entire week. And that's the only bread I have here. Now that bread, really is only allowed to be eaten by a Kohen. Um, and David is not a Kohen. But David says, but I'm in danger. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in hunger, and I'm, I'm traveling, and there's something called pikuach nefesh, obviously. If a person is in danger, you'll allowed to eat anything, um, even something that's not kosher at all. And the king... And so Achimelis is fine. you know, He didn't question David. He says, are, are you and your boys tahor? Are you pure to be able to eat this, this bread? Which is an interesting question. If they're in danger, why is that so important? But he does ask them, um, were you in intimate relations with your wives or whatever? And David says, no, 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 we're all fine. We're good. And... That's what happened. Achimelach gives him the lechem haponim. Now, and here there is pasuk Ches, and that's again here it's just mentioned, but this is where all the disaster is going to begin. There was someone there who was an old enemy of David's, and that's Doeg Ha-Domi. We have mentioned him before already. From the first time, he was always had an issue, a jealousy of David Ha-Melech, and Doeg was the head of the Sanhedrin. He was a great man, but he had this wickedness to him. And he... That's a good question. uh, That's a good question. Why is he called Doig Ha'adomi? Which makes it sound that he comes from Edom, which is possible that he came somehow from converts from Edom, but I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. He's called Doig Ha'adomi. It sounds like from Edom. Why and how? That's a good question. If I remember and look it up, if I have an answer, I'll say it next time. Or if anyone else does, that would be great. Um, so why would he be there? Why was in So it doesn't say why he was there, but I don't know if that's a big question. I mean, he was the head of the Sanhedrin. This was the place of the Kohanim. They were maybe learning or teaching or visiting for whatever reason. But he was there. And that's in Pasuk Ches. It says, Visham Ishme On that day, there was a person who was one of the servants of Shol who was there. Um, oh, it says, Netzar Hashem. He came to be before Hashem. Because that's they were there, you know, the Kohanim. Ushmo doeg ha-adomi, he's doeg ha-adomi, abir haroim, which means the leader of all the, um, literally the shepherds, but it means here the leader of the teachers of that. That's before Shaul, and that's all. The passage doesn't say that he's doing anything, but it's just important to know that he was there. Because ultimately, we're not going to learn that tonight. We'll learn that next week, God willing. But ultimately, he's the one who's going to bring this whole story back to Shaul, and that's going to cause a, a terrible disaster. where Shaul is going to put all these Kohanim to death. Um so but here the passage says he was there. He was watching. He was in uh, the watching. So David so Achimelach the coin Gadol, gives David food and then David says do you have do you have any weapons? I have nothing. I'm running. I have nothing with me. And Achimelach says, well, we don't really have. We only have one weapon. We have the sword of Goliath that you killed. You David, and Malach, you killed Goliath and that great sword of that mighty warrior ultimately was brought here and it's kept here with the holy things in the Mishkan. Because this was like this great sword. And it was some for some reason it's here. And he says, would you want that? David says, great. He says, there's no sword like that sword. I'll be very happy to take that. And David takes the sword and he leaves. And that's the whole story of David in the city of Nov. He's given food and he's given um, a weapon. And David leaves. And he leaves and he comes to, because he's he's really running away from Shoal. And he comes to the city of, of, uh, he comes to the uh, under the city of Gas, which is under a king called Achish. Achish is king of Gas, not, not a Jewish king, and not a friend of the Jewish people. And here we have another interesting story and an interesting medrash, and that is that Achish's um, uh, servants tell him, "Hey, the uh, general of the Jewish people is here, and he's himself. We can catch him." And he's won he's you know he's won battle after battle, and he says, "Okay, in prison, take him." And they take David into captivity. And David realizes that his life is in tremendous danger now. Why did you go there? He's running away from Shaul. He has to leave the the uh, Jew. He has to leave the uh, place where Shaul is the king. Really, so he, he ends up in Gas, and now he's imprisoned by the uh, by the henchmen or the soldiers of Achish Melech Gass. And here, David again, this is a famous story in Navi, where David, in imprisonment, acts like he's crazy, like he's a Meshuggah, like he's mentally ill. Um, it's, it says that uh, uh, what does he do? He says he has uh, he starts writing on the banging on the walls, and he starts um, he lets his uh, spittle uh, drip down from his mouth, and he, that's crazy. And oh, he sees what's going on. He says, Are "You guys, you think this is the general of the Jewish people? Are You guys out of your mind." He says, "He says, um, Am I lacking mishagoim? You brought me another one, and you know, I have enough of my own.'" I don't need this this became a, also an expression by in I'm i a good I have I have enough misugay here he says, and he says and, and they sent him on his way and here we have the, uh, the beautiful Medrash that says that David in his wisdom was able to understand the need of everything in this world but there was a couple things that he questioned he says he doesn't understand what they're needed for and one of them is why are there people who are misuga what 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 positive good can come from that and he had other questions. He had a question about a spider. He had a question about a, uh, a, um, a mosquito. Um, and, each, and through his travail, through his lifetime, he had to come on to each one of these and be saved through that, through that concept. And that was Hashem's way of saying that you know, I created the world and I know why I created everything. And here is where David had to use the concept of a meshuggah in order to save himself and save his life in that time. And, then he, and he left Gass and he continued... Um, and he continued on his way to the next uh, next step of his travails, which i guess, we will begin bazres hashem next um, next monday night thank you very much may so sure. um, so i heard something interesting that um